Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch some musicals and shows he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. Yes, you I should. I set you up brilliantly. Yes, we're not here to talk about a musical this week, but we are here to talk about something that has musical elements to it. Yes, we are finally seen a panto. Yeah. I fully intended for us to go and see one last year. That was one of my Christmas plans and obviously the world fell apart. So we didn't get to do that. No. I'm so glad that not only did we get to go and see a musical this year, but we got to go and see a musical at the wonderful New Victoria Theatre in Woking, which is our... Do you mean pantomime? No, I'm going to call it a musical. Okay. It's a musical. They sing. It's integral to the plot. Yeah. Ish. That's fair. Pantos what? are still musicals. Yeah. They just come with different expectations. I'm allowed to heckle. <laughs> it's not necessarily... It's socially acceptable for me to heckle. I mean... It's not necessarily songs you can credit in your program because it's like free form, you know, mm -hmm. and it's got like lyric changes to make it work. Yeah. What is your history of pantomime like before we go on to review Snow White? I have been in a pantomime every single year from the ages of like six to 18. Yeah. And then I moved on to like actual musical theatre and every year I would be like, village child number two until I became a teenager and then I started getting proper panto roles which ended up with me playing Guy of Gisborne nice. in Robin Hood pantomime which was great fun and then Cinderella in the Cinderella pantomime. Is that when you played across your brother as Prince Charming? Yep. <laughs> they, it was a very small theatre group and my brother looks like Prince Charming from Shrek and so they cast him, but his casting call was two hours earlier than mine. So he went in, got cast as Prince Charming, came out and was like, Drew, I got cast as Prince Charming. And I was just like, oh, that's amazing. Good for you. And inside I was dying quietly because this was my last year. I was desperate to be Cinderella. And so he went on his way and I was like, okay, this is fine. I actually wouldn't mind playing Buttons. Yeah. Because I find that kind of comedy role quite fun. I'd enjoyed being Guy of Gisborne. Guy of Gisborne was essentially the Buttons character when we did Robin Hood. So I was like, I could do that again. That's fine. And we went in. <laughs> the director said, Drew, you're going to be playing Cinderella. I was like, what? <laughs> There's this TikTok sound that's going around at the moment that's like, the woman was too confused to speak. And that's how I felt. It was very strange. But it was a great show. And obviously, I did not end up having to kiss Prince Charming because the way that we played our Prince Charming was that he was basically the prince in Once Upon a Mattress. Yeah. Where he's like infantilized by his evil stepmother. That really is your brother's playing type. Yeah. That or, you know, evil... Think Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> yeah, that or evil man from Jane Eyre. And, and oh yeah, that, that too. That kind of... It's like Jane Austen, bad boy, or idiot prince. Yeah, <laughs> and he's amazing at both. He really is. So I don't have quite the same history of pantomime. Mm -hmm. I think up until Woking, yeah, I would have only seen two pantomimes. One, what? As a very very young child, to the point that it put me off going to the theatre because it was so hot and it made me feel ill. I didn't right, return okay. to the theatre for a while after that one. Did you keep theatres warm for pantos? Yeah. The second time I went to see one was the same year Frozen came out. Mm -hmm. So that long ago. Jeez. And I ran it as a school trip because the kids I was teaching were writing a pantomime. So we took them to go see it. It had Barry from EastEnders in, which is a very Excellent. British reference. Uh, I know he's got a name. I can't remember it. And I blame Extras and Ricky Gervais for that entirely, that he will forever be known as Barry from EastEnders. Mm -hmm. um, and it was great. We saw Aladdin. And funnily enough, the production values of uh, Whole New World were far better in the panto than the West End version of Aladdin. Yeah. I've, I've not been into proper pantomimes, but at the school I was at at the time, it was a tradition on one of the last days there'd be an assembly for every year group. But that year group was actually 
the senior leaders did yeah. pantomime for the kids. That's awesome. And even though I was like a cover teacher slash trainee drama teacher at the time, mm-hmm. you've got the, the head honchos on stage and me <laughs> because I just so happened to be the one working with the kids writing the pantomimes and yeah. working with them on making it. And we did Cinderella and I was the fairy godmother. Mm-hmm. And then we did uh, Jack and the Beanstalk and I was the big bad wolf. Wonderful. Because like the great thing with pantomimes is fairy tales like Into the Woods can blend. They don't necessarily need to stay to their own stories. It's this magical panto land. Yes. And they don't necessarily need to stick to their own rules. Yeah. So my birthday is in January. Yes. Pantos typically run till mid-January. So every year when I was little, my parents would take my brother and I to see a pantomime around our birthday time it's like a shared birthday present and we were going to see these pantos i vividly remember seeing one called the witch's bogey which was about this witch that lived in the wood and she threw bogeys out into the audience but it was like slime it was very bizarre and strange that was great and then seeing things like we saw the wizard of oz as a panto that was quite an interesting choice though as well yeah, well, so the the bit where Dorothy and that fall asleep in the poppy field, when they woke up, they had to wake the audience up too because we were all in the poppy field. Yeah. So they ran into the audience with water guns and sprayed people in the face with water guns. And things like that I just think are hilarious because like it's so child friendly and so But also full of massive innuendo. Oh, full of completely inappropriate things that we will talk about in a minute. But I really think it's one of those things that if you sat there in a room full of adults with no children there, you wouldn't laugh at half the things that you do when there are kids. Yeah. Because it only becomes funny because you know that the kids are hopefully not going to understand the jokes. There's quite a few in Snow White that I really hope the kids didn't get. But that's, I've said this about Shrek and things like Toy Story, that the hallmark of a good kid's property. So you have good jokes for kids that they will laugh at, usually your fart jokes or toilet humour. But then you've got, like, innuendo jokes that only the adults will get, Mm -hmm. and they will laugh, and it's something to keep them entertained. So, like, Shrek, you've got, do you think he's compensating for something? You know, things like that about Lord Farquaad that keep the parents entertained when they're the ones who have to put up with this playing on repeat 20 times a day. Yeah. So, pantomimes are a British institution. Yes, and I would happily go on a rant for about two hours about the way that pantomimes have changed. Yes. And about the uh, the way that the roles and the casting is done has changed dramatically. Yes. I, I thought the cast of this show were wonderful. They were really like, They were. were all awesome, and especially the guy who played the prince. I thought he was hilarious. Yes. I'll talk about him more in a bit. But traditionally, roles of princes in pantomimes were played by women. And it's really sad that we've reached a point where that doesn't happen anymore. What I I will say... traditional panto. Yeah, but what I will say... And being able to play the the prince. (laughs) And I understand that. But going into this, one of the things I was cautious of is the fact that there is a lot of problems with pantomimes. Mm -hmm. And especially over the past... Well, this is the first year they've been pantomimes post-covid yes and one of the discussions that came up before panto season this year was are we done with danes now yes and i think the answer was yes basically pretty unanimously so far as i'm aware there was no dame in this well there wasn't a dame in this but which is really nice i don't know that many places did shows that have dames in them snow white doesn't really require a dame yeah things like aladdin is obviously the most problematic pantomime Yes. Because there's a lot to unpack there. However, Snow White does fall into the barrel of the, the sort of key problematic thing that you can have with Snow White, which is the seven dwarves. Yeah. And especially if you are going to go the route of calling them dwarves, D-W-A-R-F-S. Yes. And not like magical realism dwarves, V-E-S. No? Yeah. And they've, they've been very clear. It's written dwarfs on everything. However, going into seeing the show, one of the things that I noticed in the programme and that I noticed 
on the marketing in the theatre was that they were just calling them the Magnificent Seven. Yes. And so I started thinking, okay, wouldn't it be funny if this show takes itself, like, not seriously at all, which obviously is a panto, so it wasn't going to, but if what they do instead is we have the cast of seven dudes who are going to play the dwarves and the joke is everyone keeps saying that Snow White's gone to live in the forest with the magical dwarves but actually when they get there it's just these seven dudes yeah you know regardless of whether or not they're dwarves yeah however what they did instead is they are Lord Farquaad style performers yes and I don't think we talked about it enough with Shrek, and I can't remember because it's been a while since we recorded Shrek, but it it's a joke that is obviously a physical joke about a disability. Yes. And it's the one area in this show that I'm just like... Should... Are we not past this yet? Yeah. And, yeah. That, you know, and I think this is it. There's a lot of commentary going on in... England right now about pantomimes Mm -hmm. there is a lot on stopping Asian hate Mm -hmm. especially shows like Aladdin where they cast characters like wishy-washy and yeah but are casting predominantly white men Mm -hmm. which is not okay you've obviously got the issue with the dame really if you still want to keep a dame in your panto hire a drag queen you'll get way more people in your audience anyway yeah but I think the most problematic thing in this panto, which is quite a wholesome show, actually, and actually quite a positive show. You've in ob- terms of representation, yes. yes. The biggest problem is the dwarfs. Yeah. And they are very well performed. I really felt like that was my only issue with this. Everything yeah. else, I was like, this is great. I'm really enjoying myself. And <laughs> Really? The dwarves are in two scenes. The dwarves aren't in much, but... Because... Of how difficult it is to be in those knee pad like things all the time. We talked about it when we did Shrek. Is like how how much Christopher. Well, I can't remember his surname. Um. Anyway, how he injured his knees doing that yeah. role because he was on his knees all the time with the little fake legs over the top. This is seven guys who we had in an interview with Gokwan earlier. They had like six days of rehearsals. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay, they're not in many scenes because learning to move in these kind of outfits is tricky. Mm -hmm. But then maybe don't do it. Yeah. Especially because you're calling them the Magnificent Seven. And when we. They obviously don't want to refer to them as dwarves. And when we get to their song, they sing, You Raise Me Up. Mm -hmm. Which. The joke is that they're short. Yes. The funniest bit in this is where they're singing, you raise me up. And then one of the dwarfs starts rapping. Yeah. And the that was funny because it was a different style. It's funny because they suddenly are a boy band. Yeah. Had they been a boy band the entire time. Yeah. Like imagine a One Direction or even a... Well, I know you haven't seen Wonderland. Yes. But it's a fantastic musical. If you haven't listened to the soundtrack, you should go and listen to it. Wonderful uh, listeners. But... One of the jokes in Wonderland is that she meets the White Knight because all the chess pieces in Wonderland. And he has these four other knights who follow him around and are his boy band with him. And that's the joke. They just, they're completely useless, but they're a boy band. Yeah. And like Jack the Knight is like the only useful one. Yeah. It's funny because they're a boy band. Not for any other reason. Like, if these guys had just been a boy band in the woods, or they'd cast people who actually have dwarfism, maybe it would have been funnier. I don't know. I'm not sure how, obviously, as somebody who does not have any kind of physical disability, I can't talk on behalf of people who do. But is it okay to cast people who have dwarfism in these kind of roles? Because then you are, again, marginalizing them into just that kind of role. One of the things we talked about, or you will hear us talk about when we talk about the Grinch, is one of the fantastic performers in the Grinch who has dwarfism and is probably my like key superstar role because she was fantastic. Yeah. Regardless, because she was cast just because she was the best performer for the role. Now, it's interesting that you obviously mentioned this because Woking did 
Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs back in 2016. Yes. Their big name casting mm-hmm. was Warwick Davis. Yeah. And there was a tremendous ensemble. But obviously you have Warwick Davis cast, you know, as an actor who is big on activism mm-hmm. for... And diverse casting. Diverse casting. Yeah. I, I feel like it's more palatable when you are watching tremendous actors on stage represent themselves. Yes. And that's one of the things that we really appreciated with Gok Wan. One of his interactions with Harriet Thorpe on the stage was she made a joke about Gok Wan stepping out of the mirror. Oh, you finally come out. And he has a joke where he says, oh, yeah, honey, you're a bit late for that. That happened years ago. Yeah, Hilarious. Not because it's a gay joke, though, because no. he's making that joke about himself. Yeah. In the same way that when I say things like, oh, that sounds really gay, I'm in. Like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and it, it definitely is different when it comes from the right people. Mm-hmm. So, Gok Wan, let's talk about how amazing he was. Oh, my God, I love him. he is known... <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> He is known primarily in the UK as being this fashionista. He has had multiple TV shows on Channel 4, essentially supporting people finding new outfits. And, you know, one of his shows was How to Look Good Naked. And it's, you know... Yeah, it was more about... Transforming lives. Yeah. Hilariously, I've never seen him do any of those. I only know him from stuff like this. Now, this is the thing, is I know him exclusively as this personality. I don't know him as an actor or as a performer. Mm -hmm. But I thought he was absolutely phenomenal in this. He really was, yeah. And one of the things he said in an interview we watched was that the joy of Panto is that if you get it wrong, it doesn't really matter. It's Panto. And certainly some of the best moments we saw in this were the actors got their tongues twisted a little bit maybe said the wrong thing or mishaps with props so this is brilliant set piece Mm -hmm. where they are all singing the 12 days of christmas and you have four of our actors doing the 12 days of christmas and they keep having to do it as a relay this is one of my favorite things in panto specifically the 12 days of christmas the last time i went to see a panto was four years ago now i saw cinderella in portsmouth and they did the 12 Days yeah. of Christmas. And every time it's performed, something goes wrong, yeah. regardless of what show you're in. And also, as well as things just going wrong naturally, the actors try to mess each other up. Because it's just funny. Yeah. We're just having a laugh. Exactly. And it's great. And what we had, one of my highlights here, was just watching Gok get really flustered, but having a great time and laughing is he's responsible for five toilet rolls. Mm -hmm. And on one of them, he threw it with such ferocity that it landed in the orchestra pit. And you just saw everyone on stage laughing. (laughs) Not even just laughing. Everybody else was laughing. Got Kwame's just stood there like, oh no, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But then there was another great bit, like I think the next cycle on, he'd lost them and he's like, stop, stop, where are my toilet rolls? And we, we got into the, it's behind you. Did he lose them? No, no, he did not. Because Muddles hid them. Yes, and it was great. I don't even know if he knows that. That was so funny. But it was really, really funny. And, you know, pantomime is the, the only place that Commedia dell'arte exists. Mm. And Commedia dell'arte, you obviously have Lazzi, which are comedic routines that can be improvised but easily performed. Yes. And the pantomime is full of them. You have the 12 days of Christmas. You have the lip syncing sequence that you can change to make your jokes more topical. You have your tongue twisters. These nice little interludes that keep the audience entertained whilst there's a set change going on. Mm-hmm. But also maybe to get their attention back up when the narrative moments are just like a little... Okay, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not here for the narrative. You know, yeah. when when an audience's attention starts to go, I think, you know, in terms of stunt casting and casting your headline name, Gark Wyden was fantastic. Yes, I loved his man in the mirror. The way he comes in, like on the flies, he's like rigged in and he flies in and gets dropped. Mm-hmm. I I did laugh a lot at the design of the mirror Mm -hmm. 
because it we're a PG show. We're a PG show, and I know we've discussed it in the past, and I've completely forgotten the term for it. But it was very vaginal. Oh, I'm gonna look it up again. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious, and I I'm sure that the set design of the mirror is not deliberate. But it is really, really funny when you see Gokwan come out on a flying vagina. Oh, it's clitoral. That was it. It was. But the funny thing is, <laughs> like you've worse. got, but especially at the very top, as it arches up, you've got three little pearls at the top of the uh, mm. the mirror, and I was just like, I was trying not to laugh, but it's one of the first things you see is this clitoral vaginal yes. mirror come it's very floating yonic. in. Yeah, it's funny. It it's is so, funny. but. It's this huge spectacle and mm -hmm. it's great. And I think as the man in the mirror, obviously, you know, the whole idea being, are you fabulous or not? Yep. He's perfectly cast in this role anyway because of who he is as a personality. Mm -hmm. We know Gokwan is his fashionista, so it makes sense that he would be the one giving fashion advice to the evil queen. Yes. Speaking of the evil queen, the supremely wonderful Harriet Thorpe who is as usual ab fab in everything she does yes was so great in this all of the everything she did I was just like this is my favorite character yeah like I love Gokwan but Gokwan was just like obviously he's himself that's why he's here with some acting thrown in. One of my favourite bits is where there's an exit on the stage and then he's just standing there and then he goes, <laughs> I'm, oh, not I'm, the <laughs> I'm not in the scene and he runs <laughs> off. You know, this is the thing that made it great. This wasn't like play that goes wrong where things deliberately go wrong. You're watching it like, oh, I'm not supposed to be on stage. Like, and it was it is... just, that was so amazing because he was stood there seemingly just enjoying watching yeah. Harriet Thorpe act. Yeah. Like he was just stood there like, okay, I'm still here. And she looked at him and was like, hmm. And he yeah. was like, oh, I'm not in this scene and ran off. It was hilarious. Incredible. But yes, Harriet Thorpe. So a tremendous CV and somebody with a musical theatre background, yes. unsurprisingly. Somebody who we have seen on our podcast before because she was in Ruthless. Yes. And she has also been in Mamma Mia, Sweeney Todd, Cabaret. She was Madame Morrible in Wicked and mm -hmm. has been in Les Mis as Madame Ternardier. And... Was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. She was so funny, and everything she was doing was so over the top and dramatic in that true panto way. She was the perfect evil queen. Yeah, absolutely. But in a way that was good because you were never truly scared of her. No, because you're not supposed to be. Yeah. But there's enough there that, you know, so you come on, everyone's booing her and she she leads us in the course of it's behind you. Oh, no, you did it. And she goes, good, we've got that out of the way. Like yes, within five minutes. The other thing I really appreciated was like a lot of these kids in the audience either will have never been to a panto before or at the very least haven't for the last nearly two years. Yes. So when there were moments where we should be shouting out, she was sort of guiding us into it yeah so she had i can't remember what the line was anyway she said a line and then said oh yes i am <laughs> and like it's really clear okay now we're supposed to shout at her and i yes. thought that was really really well done on her part yeah and you know the songs that she took part in so obviously we got a few songs gok singing one way or another i'm gonna find you was brilliant but There's her no transformation was song there. was great as well i can't remember what song it was now it's not Vogue. Oh, it was I'm Your Venus. Oh my God, it was. <laughs> yeah. And it was so good. But the thing I This felt... is the thing with going to see Pantos as an adult, is you come out feeling like you've just had... A what? remarkable experience. Well, yeah, a completely remarkable experience. But you feel like you are going insane the entire time. Because things happen... And you're like, oh, I can't wait to tell. Like, I always think, oh, I can't wait to tell my dad about this because yeah. he loves to hear about things like this. And so certain things would happen. I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to tell my dad that the evil queen just sang I'm Your Venus while she turned into the old hag so that she could go and poison uh, Snow White. But also while she was doing that, there were weird little demons dancing around her. Like, all of that sounds like I've had a really bizarre dream. Yeah. And it's great. It and is that's great. That's what we want. And I think one of the things that we'll talk about is throughout, but it's just the camaraderie between the, the performers. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. But especially these moments where you do get Gok and Harriet Thorpe on stage. 
they're having fun with each other. You feel this bond between them. And there is this one-upmanship, but in a nice, playful way. So we have this tongue twister sequence where you've got Models, played by Aaron James, and we'll talk about him in a moment. But mm-hmm. Gok as the man in the mirror and Harriet Thorpe as the Wicked Queen are trying to basically get Models to relay a message, which is a tongue twister. Oh, my God. And I can't remember it, and I'm not going to try it's, to remember um... it. Sonia does shoe shopping on a Sunday or something. Sharon, is that Sharon who sells sushi in the supermarket on a Saturday or something like that? Yeah. And And Sonia who shines shoes on a Sunday at the shoe shop. But Sharon could still shine shoes at the shoe shop even if she's selling sushi in the supermarket on Saturday. Yeah. Oh my God. But they went back and forth on this for a good five minutes. But the best thing was... When they started to get things wrong. When they started to get things wrong and they're... noises yes end up blurring with the it noises yeah so you've got this moment there and you've just got harriet thorpe like this amazing performer mm. just on stage corpsing and laughing at herself because she knows what she's just done well and then when gox turn is up and he's like i'm gonna do this right and he's looking to the audience and he just raises his arm in triumph at the end like there's just the having fun with each other on stage mm-hmm. And it is really, really good. But I think the heart of the show really does go to Muddles. Because we see his character more than anything. Yeah. He is the insert character, well, I would narrator. say. Yeah, but in a lot of ways, that we, he's the one who comes out and greets us and truly breaks the fourth wall and says, Hi, everyone. Here's the rules. When I come on, I'm going to say this. You say this. And he encourages you to be louder. Mm-hmm. And Aaron James does a really good job of this. Yes, because with Pantomime, we need a character who encourages the audience to shout at you. Because otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah, because what are the rules otherwise? Mm-hmm. And Aaron James has these brilliant little latsy moments where it's just him on stage and he's telling us stories and keeping us entertained. So we have the A to Z of celebrities. Mm-hmm. We skipped so many. <laughs> like we didn't get all 20, 24. We got mm-hmm. maybe seven, but it was great. Like we got Arnold Schwarzenegger, put the cookie down. <laughs> we got Donald Trump, you know, and, and this wide range of really good impressions that was just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. We had this tremendous moment with the tongue twisting, him going back and forth. There's a nice joke in the second act, which is him telling a story, but picking shopping out of the shopping trolley. And he's like using all the innuendos yeah. of like, I munched on my hobnobs. And I said, would you like to touch my Belgian bun? And she gave me a so I frosty said, look. Yeah, you know, like really good play on words, but a really tremendous sequence. Mm-hmm. But my favourite bit is <laughs> at the start of Act Two, where they lip sync about how he used to have a, a girlfriend. Yeah, and he replies solely with the song jokes. The yeah. song jokes. So we get the hello from Adele, and then he goes off stage. Oh, do you comes know what back I really on. thought they were going to do there? What? And I've seen this done in a panto before, which is the only reason I thought they would do it, is he comes on and does, hello, is it me you're looking for? And then you go backstage and you peg it all the way around yeah. to the other side. And then when they but shout you your name again, no, when they shout your name again, you come on and you sing hello from the other side. <laughs> and no, yeah, they didn't that's do one of that my way. favorite jokes ever. I wish they'd done it. But the backstage at Woking is so ridiculously huge yeah. that it would have taken, he couldn't have done it. Like, no. It would have oh, taken I'd love to do a tour of Woking backstage. Yeah, me too. Hit us up. <laughs> um, but yeah, this tremendous sequence that all he does is lip sync these lines, but it's the timing of it is perfect. Mm. Um, and I really, really liked it, like the little dance. It was a really, really fun moment. And I really do think that Aaron James has this amazing personality and presence on stage. Yeah. Oh, there's that great bit as well where they're doing the song about truth. Like, she's got this trunk of truth. If you lie, something bad will happen. Mm-hmm. And he's just standing there, like, posturing back against it, And he, his clothes get ripped off. Yeah. To the point, like, he... And he's in one of the Hugo suits from Frozen, where, like, it's like a complete... He's in a Adam and Eve onesie. Yeah. And it's so funny, because obviously... I really didn't think we were going that far. No, but we do. And that's the thing yeah. that's really funny, is you get, like, a moment. It's like in the Simpsons movie, where you just get that, like... 10 seconds mm-hmm. of Bart before then, this, you know, you stop seeing it. You don't think you're going to see it and they just push it a little bit over the edge without going too far. And it was so tremendous. And his interactions with every single performer were great. He was fantastic with Snow White. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic with the Wicked 
queen. And he was amazing <laughs> with Prince Harry. Yes. Of Horsham. So Benjamin Perkis, who played Prince Harry of Horsham, was so funny. Yeah. Just the entire time. This kid, <laughs> I say kid, he's probably the same age as me, but he has the like ultimate princely innocence that is yeah. needed of this kind of character. And for most of the second act, he just hangs out with Gok and... Muddles. Muddles. And they just have a good laugh, especially when they were doing things like the 12 Days of Christmas, but most particularly in a moment where Prince Harry has to turn to Muddles and say, Muddles, I'm in love with Snow White. And instead he turned to him and said, Snow White, I'm in love with Muddles. And And they all fell apart. And and Gog just turns and says, that's a very different pantomime. Yep. But it was I really, really loved it. But you know, it was really, really fun. And just seeing these moments where the actors are on stage laughing, enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we get the topical jokes. There's I could maybe do without the whole Prince Harry with an American or an actor joke. Because the media has done a lot to make that quite nasty. Oh, sorry. You mean the real Prince Harry? I got yes. confused there. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Like, that's a topical joke that for me was too much because real people are impacted by that. Mm. I, I didn't mind the social distancing jokes. And obviously we have to give a nod to COVID. So when they're like, you know, um, the Wicked Queen says that it's two metres social distance. She but says with, six. But with Muddle, she'll make yeah. an exception because she'll keep it six six metres. Mm-hmm. Those sort of things are funny because that's been our lives. And, you know, talking about masks and they're not ridiculing the process and they're not making jokes about boosters or or things like that. Yeah. That are detrimental, that run the risk of, you know, the COVID protocols being undermined which is great they 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 tread the line delicately with it but i just think considering what's been going on with prince harry Meghan markle i'm not a royalist but their lives are very very publicly discussed mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's the right thing you know i i'm not going to comment too much but i just thought those jokes were a little bit unnecessary yes one of my favorite things in this, on a lighter note, is uh, one of the key tropes of Panto, which is he's behind you. Yes. I was expecting a gorilla. It's normally a gorilla, I will say, in like pretty much every other Panto I've ever seen. It's almost always like earlier on in the show, someone will be like, oh, did you hear there's a wild gorilla escaped in the forest? And then it never is brought up again until the it's behind you moment. But in this one, it was a ghost and I loved it. And the ghost costume was so ghost good. The costume was so cool. It was like a Mr. Whippy ghost. Yeah, was, and yeah really we nice. we have the singular set piece of a bench that is slightly too long on one end. Yep. Hilarious. I was ready for that as soon as they brought that out on stage. But the um, the entire scene of the he's behind you was just so fun especially because you end with gok on his own the ghost looks at gok and screams and the ghost runs off this time and gok falls to the floor looks up at the audience and says i have an mbe you know yeah (laughs) and it was so funny and it was like it was the right sort of joke to make like that is poking the right fun at the right people Mm -hmm. now we haven't talked much about the titular character snow white snow white rebecca lowings yes and it's a shame so in panto I always feel, you know, it's it's going back into MacGuffin Mike territory here, is that Snow White is the catalyst mm-hmm. for the event. Her character's not important. Which is super interesting because Cinderella as yeah. a panto, they usually stunt cast Cinderella. Yes. And we're using stunt cast lovingly here because it's deemed that way in panto. That's yeah, it's high profile casting. Go. You've got to have a big celebrity feature for your pantomime. Yeah, because it's fun and yeah. it's funny to see these people sort of poke fun at themselves. I once saw Bodger and Badger in a pantomime. Amazing. Oh my God, I remember Bodger and Badger. Right? Mashed potatoes. Yeah. I used to, I have a video of me as like a three-year-old singing that. And a few years ago, I think it was Woking had um, the remaining Chuckle Brother. Yeah, that's sad. It was really sad, but it was really yeah. nice. I can't remember which one it is, and I can't. I don't want to say the wrong, so I'm just going to say The Chuckle Brother. The Chuckle Brother, that's sad. <laughs> but Cinderella 
is her own protagonist. We stunt cast that for a reason because all of the narrative follows her. Yes. The main character of this show is Muddles. And if it's not Muddles, then it's Queen Lucretia. Yes. Which I kind of love. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm having way more fun following or her around. is the main character the man in the mirror who's like, I'm finally out the mirror and I'm going to go about live my life. Is it a triumphant yeah, coming out story? It... Probably. Too late for that, darling. But Rebecca Lowings was absolutely fantastic oh, yeah. as Snow White. She was a perfect Disney princess and we loved it. And the costume was just enough to be like, this is Snow White without it yes. breaching Disney copyright. And I do like that too. I, and I feel really bad because she is a tremendous talent, GSA trained, mm-hmm. you know, really, really good on stage. Some lovely moments. But that is the issue with Snow White. Is it some lovely moments? Yeah. And it's a shame, really, but it's not really got anything to do with the wonderful Rebecca Lowings. Yes. It's, it's Snow White as a character, even in... Well, saying that, she fares better than Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Who gets, what, 16 lines of dialogue. But Snow White, as a character, only is in about... If you think about the Disney movie, she's really only in about half mm. of it because we follow the prince for the other yeah. half. But Snow White is not a very proactive panto protagonist. No. So despite her being the title role, and I will say, I tried not to hear anything about this before we went Same. to see it. And I assumed that Gok Kwan would be playing Snow White. And I was a little bit disappointed when I found out he wasn't. But I really liked... I feel like I would have had a really good time. I really liked him as Man in the Mirror. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. Too. No, and, and Rebecca Lowings did a brilliant job of Snow White. She did make the character very, very likeable and very, very sweet. It was. It, it's one of those that, you know, she's she's another one of those like almost secret weapons. Like, did they use her as much as they could have? No. But well, where's the opportunity Considering she has to? previously played the narrator in Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat, oh, yeah. which is a ridiculously difficult and impressive role... Yeah, she's been in Jesus Christ Superstar as well. mm -hmm. She played the lead role of Molly in the UK tour of Ghost. Tremendous talent, just maybe not used as much as I'd like. We have a tremendous ensemble, Mm -hmm. and I really loved all the choreography of this one. You know, this did feel at times like we were watching a West End musical because the choreography was done well. You have a very talented... uh, group of performers on stage and it was fun to watch the costumes and the production values as well were tremendous and you know you have these really beautiful costumes like queen lucretia's costume sparkles yeah and it's great gok actually had you know a a part to play in designing his costume really One of his conditions, apparently. That's awesome. Which is great. That explains why I liked it so much. But the costumes are great. The sets are great. But there's one set piece at the interval that I think had us both laughing. Because what on earth is this? But also, oh my God, why is this a thing? So, spoilers, and you should all go and see this show, right? Right, Like, we're big advocates. You should go and see this show. If for nothing else, the bizarre madness that we are about to tell you about... And if you don't want to hear about it and you want to go and see it first, you should do that and come back and listen to the rest of this later. Yes. But at the end of Act One, Gok Wan came out on stage and sang about how the Queen's going to come and get us. She's sending out her beast to catch Snow White or to see whether Snow White's alive. Yeah, to, to scour the forest and, and start singing one way or another. <laughs> started singing one way or another. And I was sat there having a merry old time, like, oh, cool. Can't wait to tell my dad about this. Gok just came out on stage and started singing one way or another. Well, weird little demon beasties danced around him on the stage. Awesome. And just as I had that thought, the curtain went up behind him and there was a pterodactyl. <laughs> and I don't but, know Like how a to... proper pterodactyl. So we could see it behind this sheer curtain. And at first I thought, oh, they've just got this really great like little... Puppet thing. Yeah. Not even a puppet thing. I thought it was a projection. Oh, okay. And then the curtain is moved and there is this woman... On a pterodactyl yes. that flies out into the audience like it's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I believe it was Maisie Fry who yes. was in the ensemble who was riding the pterodactyl. But I just had this moment of like, oh my God, is this happening? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome. just hilarious. I loved it so much. Well, one of my favourite things at the moment, and we're seeing this a lot with a lot of shows recently, 
is the use of the invisible crane. Yes. Which obviously, you know, magic spoilers, but is how they get things like this to work. And they used it when they did Chitty, obviously to make the car fly out over the audience. You just Is it what they used in bed knobs? No, the, the bed just flies in bed knobs. I was going to say, that is just magic. Actually, no. They did use it for the bed in bed knobs. It's the uh, broomstick that is magic in bed knobs and broomsticks. But with this, this pterodactyl, oh my God, it got so close to the audience. We, and it's the first yeah. time I've ever seen that in a show where it came out over the audience and I was expecting that. It was wonderful and then it came down and yeah. there were people putting their hands up close enough they could just touch it yeah which was crazy but the the the, the production values on it as well is it looked good it looked like an actual pterodactyl it didn't look like a not that pterodactyls were real at any you point know what i mean though. it didn't <laughs> look like a cheap prop it looked yeah, this was good gorgeous. and we were quite close we were row f and it came out about row d or c yeah, I think D. So we were quite close to it, but blimey, it was a cool way to end Act 1. That was a really cool way to For a puppet that never appears again. Well, exactly. That's a lot of, like... And just generally, the whole atmosphere of it all. Like, the as production. As soon as that happened, the entire audience were, like, screaming and yeah. cheering because, oh, my God. But I'm used to pantomimes down in Eastbourne. I say used to. I've seen two of them. It's one of the older theatres. It's not the newer, more modern theatres. The You're Devonshire expecting Park a low-budget theater. And it is. And it's just kind of, it, it's cheap, but cheerful. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's when sometimes you go for a takeaway. You you could go and get something that's a lot of money. You could just have, like, cheap fish and chips. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, proper production values behind it. And I was absolutely impressed. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And... Huge, huge shout out to Michael Gingell, who is the director of this. Mm-hmm. Tremendous fun. And has clearly done a, a, a good job bringing this all together. He actually founded the Musical Theatre Factory in 2020, mm-hmm. which is designed to create bespoke musicals for birthdays, anniversaries, weddings and corporate events i think we need to get in touch drew mm-hmm. first dance let's have a bespoke musical theater themed wedding but i just loved it i i thought the direction was really nice and obviously you've got this these really nice moments on stage where things go wrong but the actors just enjoy it they laugh they have fun you're laughing with them it doesn't matter that something's gone wrong you're in, enjoying being part of the chaos and this is the thing and this is quite a sad thing actually Mm. as much as we're going to tell you to go see the show, you won't see the same show we did. Yeah, because you never do with a panto. Yeah, you never will see the same show. It's like, I want to see this again because I want to see what the show becomes. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing an adults-only night at working, but if they are, I want to go to that. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, they're also, and I think this is tremendous as well, is they are doing a relaxed version of the show. So uh, this is on the 9th of December. So, yesterday. But I hope that has success. And I hope that they will do more. They're doing an audio described performance on the 29th of December. They're doing a captioned performance on the 16th of December. And they're doing a signed performance on the 30th of December. Which is awesome. Right? I think Woking have done an absolutely tremendous job creating a modern pantomime. Yes, there's some issues. Do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But a modern pantomime that is largely, you know, without problem, but also making it accessible to a tremendous amount of people who need this right now. The other thing, obviously, with the special effects in this, the invisible crane, which is one of my favourite things ever. This is created by the Twins FX. So the Twins are Gary and Paul Hardy Brown, who work in Dorset, and... They make all of the visual special effects for basically everything now, which is insane. However, one of my favourite things in our lovely programme is the list of things that are in their portfolio. So we have airborne flying dragons, obviously, you know, pterodactyls, a seven metre tall gorilla, sea monsters, helicopter that flies, 
Monster sharks. I would hope a helicopter flies. No, on stage. It flies on stage. Alpha Miss Saigon. A life-size T-Rex. Wow. The world's largest pantomime giant. Santa's flying sleigh. Cinderella's magic crystal coach. Magic carpets flying cars. Life-sized horses pulling a coach. Jeez. On stage. Man-eating crocodiles. A pink moped that flies and does a loop-de-loop in midair. Wow. And a full flying, full-size flying London bus. That's amazing. Yeah. And they've worked with things like the arena shows of War of the Worlds and Doctor Who Live. They did Barnum, the tour, uh, Thriller Live with the effects that went into that, which actually are always really impressive. And then a whole bunch of different shows across from things like the one show all the way through to Britain's Got Talent. It is insane. And they're working on the Back to the Future musical as well. So they'll be working on the DeLorean and yes, things like that. which is epic. This is a tremendous show. It really is. And it's a lot of fun. And I love practical effects. Yes. Now, there's, you know, if you're listening in the UK, there's a lot of pantomimes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every town has a pantomime. I think what sets Wokings apart... Pterodactyl. <laughs> they have a pterodactyl. I can't get over it. You know that scene in in Jurassic Park where, where he, he says, we have a T-Rex. You know? yeah. And everyone's like, what? We have a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. They have a pterodactyl. But I think more so than anything else, this is a very, very fun performance that unlike other pantomimes I've seen, you have a real camaraderie on the stage mm-hmm. between its players. And as a result, is a lot of fun. And I also think, like I've said, bar bar the Magnificent Seven, I don't think there's much wrong with this as a performance. I think it's really fun, especially considering the discourse that's gone on about pantomimes. Yes. But the other thing I'm going to say is just the environment at Woking Theatre. Because we walked in, the decorations were magnificent. Yeah. You know, they've painted some of the mirrors to be magic mirrors. They have a little grotto area downstairs. Mm-hmm. They've, they've done such a good job with the front of house that if you are going as a family thing, I haven't seen this at other pantomimes I've been to or even other seasonal shows I've been to. I went to see The Snowman live a few years ago. There wasn't much at the front of house to make it feel like you were stepping into Christmas, to quote Elton John. Mm-hmm. you are going in to a very friendly environment anyway yeah and you know when you then take your seats you've obviously got christmas songs playing and over the tannoy a reminder to put your masks on to keep people safe mm. and i thought that was really really important and it, it was nice it was safe and i just think you're not just going for the pantomime experience, but like even the going into the theatre experience. I'm taking your kids to the theatre, yeah. maybe for the first time, yeah. you know? You, you, I can guarantee if you are a parent who wants to take their children to a pantomime but isn't sure which one, Woking Theatre. Because mm. they'll walk in and just the general vibe of the theatre itself is beautiful. It's Christmassy. It, it is like stepping into Snow White's world. Mm-hmm. Fairy tales, yeah. So You know what they also had that was awesome, which I love to see at pantomimes? Those light-up toy things that they give to kids. This is such a weird thing for me to be excited about as an adult. However, they do them at Disney parades and things like that. I love this kind of thing where it makes kids feel like they're joining in. If they're all singing a song on stage, the kid might not know the words to that song. They might yeah. not, like... I don't know what five-year-old is going to know the lyrics to Venus, yes. you know, but they can bop their A child of culture. Yeah, well, they can bop their lightsaber yep. thing or their magic wand or their wizard ray gun thing, which that was cool, Yeah, to the tune of a song and have a great time. And there were like a group of teenagers in the front row who all had glow sticks in their hair. And we're having such a so great time. Cool. This is it. It was a really wholesome, great time. So... Best set piece outside of Pterodactyl. It's the Pterodactyl. It was the Pterodactyl. But okay, best pantomime sequence that we had. 
Oh, 12 Days of Christmas. It's my favourite one every single time. I really like the 12 Days of Christmas. Five toilet rolls. I loved it and I got really involved and I just loved watching it be chaotic. Mm-hmm. I will also say I really enjoyed the innuendo of the lip sync and talking about Muddles' ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I just liked that. I thought it was funny. But the, the 12 Days of Christmas is... Best goof. Oh, that's tough. Basically... As much as I loved the Snow White, I'm here to, you know, to tell you I love Muddles. I'm here to show you I love Muddles. As much as I loved that goof, especially for like everyone else's reaction. And I, I love the goofs during the tongue twisters and watching Harriet Thorpe be like, mm. I am distinguished. I am this legend of the stage and I've just sworn in front of an auditorium of children. Yeah. I think my favourite goof has to be either Gok. Mm-hmm. Hitting the conductor <laughs> with the toilet roll. And then when it's swung back, landing it like he's a hula hoop. Yeah. Like, around his neck. Well, and just, you know, again, that. Or Gok just being like, I'm not on stage in this <laughs> scene. I'm not meant to be in this scene. <laughs> That's so good. I think it's one of those two is my favourite mm. goof. My one is also from 12 Days of Christmas. But it's when uh, the five toilet rolls went missing yeah. and he got it back. He started trying to sing his line again. And the conductor pulled... He, played it and Gok didn't do anything and then he went come on <laughs> that was great and then he played it again and Gok couldn't get all the words out but we were singing <laughs> triumphantly we're part of that moment yeah. although when he accidentally hits Harry of Horsham that was pretty funny too and then Harry's like oh I need to step back four what, was, what did he have for four I can't remember four pots and pans no four watering cans three four, pots and yeah, four watering cans <laughs> that was good um MVP I kind of want to say Prince Harry because I thought he was so funny and he was really keeping up with like this all-star cast. Well, especially because like playing... For such a new actor. Yeah, and just playing like the serious character who doesn't know they're in a pantomime. Mm -hmm. You know, alongside Muddles who knows he's in a pantomime, alongside the man in the mirror who knows he's in a pantomime, who are very over the top. Mm -hmm. Was him or Muddles? I thought he was I I mean, it is between... I want to give three, but I can't. Muddles was amazing. Aaron James mm-hmm. was hilarious. And, you know, there's nice moments like we're supposed to, ah, oh, he's in love with Snow White and Snow White's in love with another man. And, you know, we're supposed to, ah, oh, him when Snow White kisses mm. Harry. But there's so much heart to him and so much energy and just the, the, the willingness to be silly on stage and look ridiculous. I, I'm going to say, as much as I loved Aaron James and Harriet Thorpe, I I thought Gok One would be in it less of the time mm-hmm. as, as the man in the mirror. I thought it would come on at pivotal moments and then that would be it. You know, like basically a cameo. I didn't expect him to be so frequently in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you do this stunt casting, you know, and I say that with love, you don't expect them to be so involved in the DNA of it. Like, look at Luna Lovegood in a very Potter senior year. Yeah. I didn't expect her to be so involved with everything. If anything, if you'd said she was in it, my expectation was she'd come on, deliver a line, that was it, she's done. Yeah. And that's why I gave her my MVP for that. (laughs) Because I genuinely didn't expect her to be so involved. And it's the same with Gok. I didn't expect to see him so involved and having a great time. And... And so talented as well. Mm-hmm. But it could be anyone really in this. Yeah, that's the thing with like a good panto, as much as you might have somebody who is our MVP, this doesn't work without the the whole cast. With everyone, Because yeah. they really have to play off of each other. And this was a really, really good night out. Now, because panto, you can do the cast the right person for the right role, regardless mm-hmm. of gender. Obviously, they didn't necessarily do that here. Well, they don't do that anymore. No. And it's really annoying. But I miss ma- Dick Whittington being played by a woman. So, we're going back to the days where Pantos did that. Mm-hmm. You, you can, can ask who I want to play. Yeah, who oh. do you want to play? Which character are you playing? Uh, well, I'd want to be Harry. Yeah. Prince Harry of Horsham. Because I always liked playing those roles. However, it is a Panto. So I think I'd be Muddles, because I love Buttons, like that kind of character. I if you if you don't know what we're talking about, Buttons is the 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 like idiot best friend character narrator in Cinderella, 
And that's and, what Muddles is. Yeah. And then he's wishy-washy, which is like the bad one yeah. in Aladdin. And, you know, I don't remember who he was in. I wonder who the Buttons character is in Peter Pan. I'm sure it's a lost boy. Maybe it's Tinkerbell. Maybe. Weird. I I would also want to be Muddles. <laughs> you know, it's it's the most fun role yeah. that you can have. And you just are making a fool of yourself. Like it's a nice moment where one person laughed at one joke and, and he just went, Thanks, Mum. Like the <laughs> great bit where it's he said to Snow White, Well, what do you think about me? And she went, Oh Muddles, you are funny. <laughs> he was like, Yeah, can you tell them that? Yeah, <laughs> and, there's, and there's other moments as well that you're just like, oh, there's some great timing. Like he says a joke and you hear the adults laugh and he's like, that's a response I should have got, adults mm. only. You know, like there's great timing and I love that challenge. Yeah. And I think, you know, Muddles is a great role to play. Mm. What's your star rating for this one? Uh, it would give this a solid 4.5. Yeah, 4.5 for me. I think it's not without it's problematic flaws in the same way that all pantos are under scrutiny at the moment yes but i think this makes a lot of really positive steps as a whole yeah you know the innuendo i've had in the past with some pantomimes has been homophobic Mm -hmm. and i'm really glad that that wasn't the case here yeah and i think this has done a really good job of saying what pantomimes going forward should be Mm-hmm. We still have room for improvements, but this is what the modern panto should be. And I, I think anyone who can get to Woking to see it over the next month, you absolutely should, because you will not be disappointed. Yeah. So thank you so much for downloading this uh, bonus episode of It's a Musical Podcast, where we talk about our trip to Pantoland. Yes, indeed. And obviously we have got an exciting December ahead of us. What are we talking about on Monday? Monday we're going to be talking about the Grinch and I'm sure we'll have lots of things to say about the costumes and special effects over there. Who likes Christmas? Who's like Christmas? We've already watched that one and then we're going to be bringing you an episode covering one of Drew's favourite composers. Yeah, Alan Menken. I don't think we've actually talked about him yet. We have. We did Newsies as episode three. Yes, we did. My bad. (laughs) It's back in the archives. Yeah, I don't remember that far back anymore. Yep, so we're going to be doing our episode covering the Kelsey Grammer starring A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And what film are we going to end the year on? We're ending the year on West Side Story. The film that supposedly is saying that movie musicals are back in fashion. But only if they're directed by Steven Spielberg. Yes. Supposedly. But we do also have two really exciting bonus episodes left on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one will be released by our friends at the Best Film Ever. Yeah. Because we are in their round table for the top 10 musical theatre. Top movie musicals of all time. Yes. So we're going to put together a list of 10. We're going to send it to the best film ever. And there will be a top three at all high school musicals. There's going to be an audience poll of a top 10 and the panel top 10. And if you want to get involved, tweet at best film ever pod with the hashtag real round table hashtag BFE top five. It's your top five movie musicals. There is no animation, no Hamilton, so no pro shots. But we are also going to be releasing our own top 10 list yes indeed but we're specifically going to be talking about the top 10 musicals that we've covered this year so from ruthless and we're gonna cap it at a christmas carol just because obviously west side story is a brand new film and maybe won't have had the reach it feels unfair to include it and if we do another year interview next year, we'll start from West Side Story. You never know. We might hate West Side Story. We might hate West Side Story. <laughs> the point might be moo, as Joey would say. Mm-hmm. But all you need to do is you need to tweet us, DM us, get involved in Instagram, or as some lovely people have done on uh, email, send us your favourite musical we've covered this year, your mm-hmm. top five musicals we've covered this year, or even your top Ten musicals. People have sent us sound bites. Thank you to Tara Kabash who has sent us a sound bite of, of her favourite musicals. And we've heard from other fantastic people that have reached out to us and sent us some really lovely uh, emails, tweets, DMs about their favourite musicals that we've covered this year and why. And you can get yourselves involved in the conversation as well. 
Twitter at It's a Musical Pod and Instagram It's a Musical Pod or Gmail It's a Musical Pod at gmail.com. Drop us a line, get involved in the conversation. What are your favourite musicals we've covered this year? Yes, indeed. And of course, we will be here with you, same bat place, same bat channel on a multitude of great podcasting platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, the Amazon Music app under the library section. You can find us on Good Pods and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like what we do, why not head over to podjason.com, Apple Podcasts or Good Pods and leave us a five-star review. As always, have a wonderful weekend. And have a magical, musical December. December.